This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Podcast. We're happy you're here. It's another great show. I'm telling you, Seth, I don't know where we've lucked out so much that we have these amazing, amazing guests coming on, but this show is powerful and exciting, and I'm just thrilled to have this fabulous woman on. But before I get to that, I wanted to say, how's your week going so far? Uh, what day is it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that good, huh? <laughs> it's going. You know, we. Uh, I was thinking about last or last week, it was so cold, and there was baseball on a Friday night for my 10-year-old, and it was freezing. Um, I got baseball now Fridays and Saturdays and just running around. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just running around like a crazy person. That's kind that's, yeah, that's, that's the way it is when you've got kids their age. I mean, I remember three or four of them in sports at the same time. And I just like, it was like, drop you off, go get this one. It was crazy, crazy, insane. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. It was it was a real. I don't even know how I did it then. I honestly just remember rushing in the door and saying, "Everybody, pile in the car and drop and drop and pick up and pick up." It was crazy. So this week, you know, it's been um, male manager mom's recovery week because she had her total knee replacement. How's she doing? Wait, Seth, she's doing it and really incredibly well, except for today. Last night and today, she had an awful, awful, horrible night, a horrible day, and a lot of pain. And then I, I kind of like. Common sense tells you when you're 81, you don't do PT, physical therapy, two days in a row. But the physical therapist showed up two days in a row and really worked her. And as a result, like, she was horrible. So I called and I canceled physical therapy for tomorrow and to give her leg a break. But she's she's a, she's a fighter, man. She is as tough as nails. She's as strong as I ever remember her being because she just soldiers through everything. Seriously. That's where you get it from. Yeah, that she is the original one tough mother. I mean, she's like totally like, it's okay, you know. I, I feel like a baby. I don't want to tamtain. I'm da da da. She's just amazing, and I'm just really happy. I'm really proud of her. I mean, she's gonna get through it. She's gonna be great. She's gonna be bionic. She's gonna scare the shit out of me because she's gonna chase me around. It's gonna be terrible. Like <laughs> <laughs> I can just see my saying me saying something. It's gonna be like the old days. She's gonna be chasing me down the hall. But anyway, yeah, um, it's incredible. You know what it's like. How many kids do you have? <laughs> you know, you yeah, know man. what the incredible craziness is. But I do. This I'm living it. This show is something that it, it just you and I have spoken about this so many, many times about what happens with sending your kids to school today. I mean, it's it's a scare, right? Oh, it's, well, now it's not. It's not only like school. It's if you're just walking around in this big city or, you know, or you're someplace late at night and you're having something to eat. I mean, it's just, it's, it's anywhere and everywhere. It's just not, you know, it's, it's, um, 
don't know, it's, it's, it's getting to be scarier every day. It is getting to be scarier every day. And, you know, again, my kids are, are in education, like I've said, and my other, and my son's a police officer. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, I hear a lot of it from inside as well as, you know, in the news. And it's, it's very scary. It's very scary for parents. It's, it's very scary for, for the administrators. It's very scary for the teachers. It's scary for the kids. And like you said, now you're afraid to go to a restaurant. I, to be honest with you, Seth, I will not go to a movie theater. That's the truth. I, I have no desire to sit in a dark movie theater anymore. So, uh, I'm going to the movies. I'm going to the movies this Friday to see the Avengers. Oh, you are? And it doesn't bother yeah, you at all? Huh? It doesn't bother you? The movies? Yeah. Oh, now it will. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry I ruined that one. But you know what? I don't want to be paranoid, and I don't want to be this person who is paranoid. But I'll be honest with you. Things do leak in my mind. And after we hear today's guest story, you're going to see why. Today's guest, as you know, is Antoinette Tuff. And she has just got to be one of the most amazing, courageous brave, compassionate women I think I've ever spoken to. Her story is just incredible. I felt like we should be like extremely honored that she wanted to come on our show and tell it. And I mean, it's a story that needs to be heard. And it has been heard multiple, multiple times, but I don't think that it's it's been heard enough of how things happen and unfold and how these people on the inside feel. Annette, Antoinette, I'm sorry, I was saying it, but Antoinette Tuff, was a bookkeeper in an elementary school when it became an active shooting um, situation. And she was left in the room alone with the active shooter. And I'm not even going to say any more. I just want you to hear her story. And so um, when we get back, we're going to introduce her. And I'm just going to let her tell her story. And I think everybody's going to be amazed at the things that you hear. So in a minute, we'll be right back with our guest, the amazing, incredible, brave Antoinette Tough. We'll be back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Today's guest is a woman who's no stranger to struggle or personal perseverance. It was in August of 2013, in the beginning of a Georgia school year, the Antoinette Tough, the school's bookkeeper, happened to be working the front desk at the Ronald E. McNair Discovery Learning Academy Elementary School. The school day started like any other. In fact, it was a warm summer school day you'd expect in August. But the events that unfolded in the coming hours changed Antoinette Tuff's life and the lives of many in that elementary school and community forever. Here to discuss the details of what happened on that August day at the Ronald McNair Discovery Learning Academy in Decanter, Georgia, we welcome with unbelievable pride, unbelievable, I mean, we just think you're an amazing, amazing woman, and we are honored to have you on our show, Antoinette Tuff. Welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. It's a pleasure to be on the show with you today. I am just, I just can't tell you how important everything that you're doing and every place that you're going and, and how you're talking about this story over and over is, especially at this time. I mean, look at all the things that are happening. And Antoinette, what have you been doing between the time that this happened up until now? 
Well, I do my professional speaking. I actually go into businesses, schools, and organizations, and I do um, conversation in the crosshairs, just showing people what that looks like. And then also, um, I do, and also a speech I do is called Prepared for a Purpose. It's based off my book called Prepared for a Purpose, showing ordinary people how they can be extraordinary people. And it's only a moment that can change the rest of your life. I just love that. Let's go back to that August day. Take me from the time that you were getting ready to go to work until what happened. Well, I got up that morning um, just, well, let me back up a little bit. A couple of days before that, August 18th, was just overwhelming, tried to commit suicide, walked out in front of some cars in one of the busiest streets here in Atlanta. Oh, my God. Because my husband had just, you know, he, he had just left me. He had left me, and I just didn't know how to actually function without him. It was just an overwhelming moment for me, um, not knowing that, why the truck didn't hit me the cars didn't hit me they just swerved around me and it was busy time of the day Antoinette you were that desperate you were that that you were that distraught oh yeah that wasn't the first time I tried to commit suicide oh and you had children I can't remember how many times it was uh, yeah I tried several times oh I'm and you have children correct yes my um I have a daughter who was in college at the mo at the time? She was in college and law school, and then I had a son who was an undergrad, and he actually came home to visit, and I didn't sound good, and so he stayed there. He's like, I can't leave my mom. If I leave my mom, I'm gonna come back, and she ain't gonna be here. Oh my god! And so he stayed there with me to kind of walk me through that process to just allow me to be able to know, Mom, you must live and not die. Oh, that's me. You know, I, I'm. You know, he's my son is multiple disabled. He's in a wheelchair. He has charcoal Marie tooth disease. And for your audience and those who do not know, that's when all the nerves in your body are deteriorating. There's nothing that you could do about it. But I've always taught my son and my daughter how to be strong men and women, and how to stand on their own. You know, and always gave them good tips. So I found my son at that time giving me the tips back that I gave him all his life. I love that. Like love one it. of the things that we used to do was call laying your lay in my bosom. So when they were having a bad day, something wasn't going right, I'll just sit them in my lap and say, Okay, lay in my bosom and just tell mommy what's going on. This is a moment where it's the truth. You can talk about whatever. It's a safe place. And so that's what we did. And so my son um, that particular morning on August 20, 2013, I was downstairs just crying, not knowing how to face it, not knowing what to do. And so he says to me, he says, Mom, and I was like, what? You know, I'm like, I just want your dad to come home. And he's like, Mom, just lay in my bosom. Aww. He said, just come sit in the wheelchair and just lay in my bosom. And I just, you know, bust out crying because as a, as a mom, you never think that your children will be the one that saved you in the end. Oh, that's so true. Oh, so, so true. Or that you have to depend on them like that. And so my my morning was just real chaos for me. It was just in tears. Uh, I had fixed breakfast for my son that morning. Didn't know what we were going to eat for dinner. Um, cut off notices everywhere. It was just overwhelming. So I got in my car, got everything together, on my way to work, just crying, boo-hoo crying. Parked my car and got in the building, and my principal comes and said, well, can you fill in for the secretary today? And I'm like, okay, that ain't my normal. 
But, you know, as, as, as most of us do, you know, I needed that paycheck to be able to su support me and my son. So you do what you don't want to do because it's, it's about a job. Hey, honey, we're moms. We're used yeah, to just doing yeah. anything yeah, that has just to get do done. It. Yeah. And so that's what I did. I was like, okay, so I'm sitting there getting everything together because it's the busiest time. You know, teachers needing stuff, kids needing stuff. We're trying to get kids in the system. Kids running everywhere, parents complaining because their baby ain't in the right class. It was just chaos. Right. Um, and so I'm, you know, I'm sitting there trying to get everything together. And while I'm sitting there, I get a phone call. And I'm like, okay, who is this? Pick up the phone. It's my, it's the car dealership. It's my um, place where I own, um, where I had my loan at for my car. Didn't know that my ex-husband had not been paying the car note. Oh. So they wanted $14,000 in seven days unless they was going to repossess my car. Um, so that so that put like a whole nother level. So by this time, I done closed my door. I'm like boo-boo crying again, trying to get myself together. And then I get another phone call. <laughs> Be honest with y'all, I looked at that call ID this time. Because I'm like, I cannot <laughs> get another piece of bad news right now. Right? So it was, the, it was actually the secretary wanting to know where I was because I was late to relieve her for lunch. So I get myself together. And, you know, we get up every morning. We put a mask on our face. No one really knows what you're going through. You get in. You shine. You do what you need to do. Come back home and fall apart. You get back up and start the routine all over again. But so if many, someone was so the... Many. So yeah. many. Yeah. That's a life of so, so, so many women oh, in this yeah. country. And if someone was to say to you, how do you really feel and really want to know the answer to it, you'll fall apart. Right. Just fall apart. Right. And so, I, you know, I get my face together because I'm like, okay, let me get it together. So when I open up the door, there's a teacher standing there. She says, can you help me with my paperwork? And I'm like, ah, uh, you know, so I'm trying not to let her know I'm crying because no one in my school knew that my husband was gone. Right. They, you know, we had just went on dates and, you know, dates and all that before he started. When I, before I realized he was having an affair right. with another woman, he, we went on a date the weekend before that. So right. it was like just blindsided. Right. And so just overwhelmed. And so as I'm going up to the front office, me and the um, teacher, the secretary goes out of one door and the parent she talks, that's talk, she's talking with goes out the front door. So we're sitting there just doing her paperwork and all that, trying to tell her what she needs to do for insurance. And the next voice we hear is, this is not a joke. We are all going to die today. Oh, no. Now, you can imagine, you know, the fear because at first we looked at each other like okay I had never seen a gun before so I didn't know if the gun was for real if it was play the young man was only 20 years old so I'm like okay he really can't have a real gun you know that was in my mind right and he's just going to and fro you know giving us demands of what we need to do um then he tells her to go let everyone know that he's in the building and I'm like okay I really want to go but he didn't and so I'm like okay so he's just agitated. He's just going back and forth, back and forth. Antoinette, what kind of demands? What kind of demands is he is he is he demanding? Uh, well, he, his, at that time, his demands were: "This is not a joke. Uh, we're all going to die today. Uh, I, I'm here to um, to um, just to to kill. You know, all right. of us are going to die. So it was just it was just that kind of demand. How terrifying! And he's just pacing, holding hard, a gun. It, oh, he was pacing to and fro. And to be honest with you, I was I was sitting there at my desk because by this time I had a relationship with God. I've always gone to church, 
but I did not know what it really meant to have a real relationship with God until that moment. Right. And so for me, I can't even tell you all that I said to the gunman or all that was said on the 911 tape, because by that time I was just praying like, okay, God, what do I say? What do I do? You know, every word proceeded out of my mouth right now, Lord, is life or death. Not just for me, but it's 870 babies in the school. You got parents in the school. You got teachers in the school. It's the busiest time of the day. And normally, that time of the day, we would have been packed in the office and everywhere with t um, teachers and students and parents trying to get their kids early and all that. So for me, I was so um, focus on okay what is it that he needs me to do how do we you know what do I need to do so he doesn't start shooting right and then by that time if I wasn't scared enough he goes out and he I mean um, he tells the teacher to go out so she goes out through this little door but he doesn't know that on the other side of that little door that she goes through it's actually a teacher's lounge and it's teachers and kids in there right so he starts hearing all this chaos so he gets mad he goes through the door, pulls out his AK-47, and he's about to start spraying bullets. Oh, my God. It was horrible. Oh, my God. I mean, the most scariest time. I mean, it was horrible. And so I'm saying to him, like, no, come back in here. They're only doing what you told them to do. Come back in here. Come back in here. And he gets angry. Because I'm talking to him in that motherly voice, like, no. And so he just comes back and he slams the door he gets this chair he props the um, first door open and then he walks out to the second door which is on the street right. and he just starts spraying bullets all in the community oh. literally just spraying emptying his emptying his AK-47 so by that time he comes back in there he's just mad and um I'm, I'm sitting there just praying and, and everything he says to me to um, now call and let the, um, call the news station and the um, 911. But before I could call anybody or do anything, the cafeteria manager walks in. And he doesn't see the gun. Oh. So he walks in all cool, you know, how, you know how many all cool, like he, you know, he, you know, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, he don't see that gun over right. there standing with that gun, right? And he didn't. So by this time, it agitated the gunman, and so then by then he fires a shot in the room with us. Oh. So the bullet is literally ricocheting in the room everywhere. Oh. So I'm sitting there. Yeah, you talking my level of prayer going up? I mean, baby, I'm. I mean, I'm praying. Then I'm like, okay, Lord, please don't let this bullet hit none of us. Cause it's the, the. I didn't even know that bullets can fly like that. They just. It's like a. Um. It's like they bounce. Like I mean, a pinball, right? Yes. It's a pinball. It was bouncing everywhere. And so I'm like, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So he, I'm like, you, need, and I'm sitting there looking at him like, you need to get behind this desk with me. And so by this time, he looks at me and looked, and then he, then he done got scared, so he runs behind the desk. But I'm like, you done made the man fire a shot. Come on now. <laughs> and so then he gets mad, and then he tells him, because he's now, by this time, the capture man is holding his heart like he's about to have a heart attack and all that. And um, he tells him to um, go let everyone know that he's in the building. Right. I mean, just 
horrible. Leaving he goes, you alone again with the shooter. Yes. Okay. And so now I'm sitting back at this desk. You know, I'm still sitting at the desk. And I'm by myself. Just overwhelmed. Uh, my kids are calling me on the phone. Because I had my cell phone right there. Uh, teachers and no one knows that the gunman is in the building. Because the build, the classrooms and everything are all the way in the back. Right. And so I didn't know if they knew. You know, hoping that they weren't going to send a child up for early dismissal. You know, I didn't know who got to who. You know what I'm saying? To right. be able to let them know that he was in the building. Right. And so just so um, afraid of, like, what to do and how to do it and, you know, what we need to do and all that. And so I'm just sitting there like, okay, you know, okay, you know, I'm just shaking. I mean, and then I had to go to the bathroom so bad. Oh. So I asked the gunman, could I go to the bathroom? And he was like, oh, yeah. And I went to go get up, but could not move. And by this time, he was—he had gone back outside again to start shooting in the communities. So I sat back. I was like, I can't go nowhere. Is uh, ain't nowhere in the world I'm going somewhere. If I go to the bathroom, he's gonna kill us all. Right. So I sat there, and then by this time, he goes back, comes back in the room, in the front office where I'm at, and he has no more bullets. So he gets his book bag, and I didn't know what was in the book bag was over for 500 rounds of ammo and magazines and a bottle of water oh. and a phone. And he sits in the chair on the other side of the desk where I'm at and starts loading up magazines and reloading the gun. I, that level of fear was beyond measures. I can, can't even imagine. Because now he's telling me he hadn't taken his medicine we all gonna die today, and then it just be go. It just went. I mean, just. I mean, he just now starts gearing himself up for World War Two. Right. And he takes all the magazines that he has in the book bags after he loads them, put them on his in his coat because he had this long black coat on, and then he takes the extra bullets and starts packing them in his pockets so he can use them if he needs them. Right. And he's just pacing and pacing and pacing. So by this time, he's like, you know, I said, I called 911 to let them know that he was there and all that. I called the news station to let them know that he was there. And so I'm like, okay, you know, what do we do now? You know, what do we do now? So it was a long time. You hear the 911 call, but that was like the second 911 call. And it was a minute before I called 911 because he had shot in the room with me. Right. Um, a couple of times before I even called. And so he was just, you know, just allowed me to know that, you know, he was unstable. He wouldn't give me, tell me his name or anything like that. I didn't know if what I was saying was actually in any way, you know, he was, you know, receiving it, you know, right. was going to give up. Wait, now anything. you're talking to him? You're, you're oh, yeah, having a conversation? Mm-hmm. And what are you saying to him? I'm just, by this time... Um, he wasn't saying anything back to me. So that's how everybody found out that I was divorced and my husband had had an affair and I had tried to commit suicide because then I started telling him my business, not knowing that my business was going all around the world. <laughs> oh, but so you're telling him your struggles and what's going yeah. on in your life. Yeah. And you're and he's making he's no reaction at all. None. OK. None whatsoever. He's just walking to and fro. He has no reaction on what's going on. 
He doesn't even pay me any attention. He's busy on how he's going to go out and start just killing. Um, so um, by this time, I didn't know it by then. I know it now because we're afterwards, but I didn't know by this time they were getting the kids out of the school right? in the back. Um, but I just, you know, just stayed there with him, you know, trying to, you know, tell him what was going on with me, letting him know it was going to be okay. Just relating to him and talking with him and, and just showing him some compassion. Personal and love. compassion and love. Yeah. Human you know, compassion, right. Yeah, you know, just allowing him to be able to know that, you know, it's going to be okay for all of us. Now, how did, how did I know that was going to be okay? I don't know. Because I just knew that I knew a God that sit high and look low. And he's always watched over me out of all the things that's gone on in my life. From the time for me being homeless, the time for me committing, trying to commit suicide. God has just always been there with me and for me. And so I always used to read in the morning Psalms 23 that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. But that he makes me to lie down in green pastures, not knowing that that scripture would be the scripture that day that I would need and recite in my mind to be able to walk myself and help God to help me to walk myself through that. Right. Because in that scripture it says he will lead me beside the still waters and yea though I walk through the valleys of the shadows of death I will fear no evil for thou art with me thou art in thou staff they comfort me. See that was the valleys of the shadows of death for me. Right. Not knowing that that was what I was going to have to walk through. All I did was pray that scripture over myself and pray and ask God to help me through the process of what I was going through. And not knowing that that same scripture would be the same scripture that helped save my life. Right. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Just amazing. <clears throat> so, Internet, tell me, like, how does it how does it proceed? How does He's reloaded the gun. He's pacing around. You're reciting the, the perseverance, the, the, the heartache, all the things you've been going through. And what's next? And so then in the midst of it, he just, he goes out several more times and shoots in the community. And him and the police officers are shooting back at each other. It's like World War II. Oh. I mean, bullets are flying everywhere. He's shooting at them. They're shooting at him. And I'm sitting right beside this big, I mean, big bay window sitting there. So, you know, it's like, it was nothing but God that no bullets hit me. Bullets hit all around that window, but not one of them ricocheting in that window. Not one. Wow. And so, you know, by this time, they had shot in the, um, he had came back, so they had shot in the glass and broke the glass, window glass in the school. So he, I don't know if he got glazed by the bullet or the glass or whatever, but he got shot. And so I told him, I said, come back in here. Come back in here. Bullets don't have no name. I'm going to need you come on back in here. Because they was just, I mean, spraying bullets from everywhere. Right. And uh, he had them reloaded, spraying. I mean, he had just, he was going, I said, mm-mm, mm-mm, we're going to both die. You keep doing that. And so he came back. At first he didn't. At first he, you know, he, he sprayed all his bullets out, reloaded and sprayed some more. And it was nothing but God that not one of those bullets hit him the way they were all go going back and forth with each other. Right. And so I'm like, okay, God, okay, you know, you need to help me, Lord. Okay, so um, he comes back and he's like really angry then. And so I'm just talking to him, just, you know, just having a conversation with him. Um, 
just allow him to know that I see him and that, you know, he's worthy no matter what it looks like. He's like, you know, I done shot out in the communities. I done shot the police. I'm like, it doesn't make any difference what you've done. You didn't kill anybody or hurt anybody. Well, by that time, I didn't know if he did or not. I'm just, you know, I'm just, right. you know, continuously talking with him. And then he wind up um, unloading the gun and um, putting it on the table beside me. He unloaded all his pockets and bullets and everything and the magazines and put it on the table beside me. And he put his bottle of water, the book bag, and all that on the table, on the counter beside me. He got on the floor and lay prostrate on the floor. Just like he was praying to God. Unbelievable. And gave up. It, it just, just because you, you talked to him and and helped him through. And, and, and when he said he wasn't, he was mentally ill, he had mental, obviously, but I mean, he knew that he hadn't taken medication. Mm-hmm. Oh. He did. That is so. So then they what they rush in. What happens next? So then they that was another scary part for me. Of course, um, he's laying on the ground, and then so you know you you see it in the TVs, but you never think that that's going to be a part of your life, right? Um, but then they come in with all this armor on. I didn't even know they were coming. He said, "Here they come." I'm like, "Huh?" And um, so they come in with all this armor on, this gear on. You know, they're trying to make sure that he's the only person in the room and all that. So the lady comes up to me and she says, uh, ma'am, it's okay. It's okay. You know, everything's okay. You can go to the bathroom there. Uh, all I could do was say, ooh, Jesus. Oh, boy. <laughs> I can't even imagine. I couldn't, I couldn't even get up. She's like, ma'am, you can get up. I said, I can't. I, I still, I mean, it was so overwhelming that I just still could not move. I was just like paralyzed to the seat. I could not literally move right i can't only i i you are just probably one of the bravest women i've ever met i mean i just can't imagine i've been in a situation where there was a gun present but i can't imagine having someone that uh is come to kill people he has come internet he made the statement he has come to kill people everyone was going oh, to yeah. die that day oh, and yeah. you heard that several times throughout that ordeal and that ordeal lasted how long Oh, so one of the 911 calls that you hear is like 20-some minutes, I think. Okay. Oh, it was a while. It was it was probably almost an hour. So, it was a, it was yeah. a while. Because remember, you had two 911 calls, um, but I was in the room with him before I even made the first call. Right. And the only call you all have heard is the second call. Okay. Okay. So, they take him into custody, obviously. Does he say anything to you? internet as no. he's leaving does he look no. at you does he anything no so they just take him into custody no and you know and this is going to show you how good god is because that young man passed several schools to get to my school he could have went to any of those schools i never knew that mm -hmm. and then he parked his car right next to my car unbelievable and then if I had gotten to the front office at the time that I was supposed to, I would have missed him. And the new secretary who just was hired two days before that would have been encountered with him. Right. But God allowed me to get that phone call to delay me to be the one right there. Right, right. So you sprouted your wings that day. So somewhere on your back, honey, there's a set of wings. 
and at some point I hope you don't have to use them again until the very end but I'm just well I'm you just know what I use them now Karen I just use them in a different way good for you um, what I do, what I do, uh, not only do I do professional speaking, but um, people from all over the world. When I was on Anderson Cooper, and they still continuously do, and we appreciate their donations, and we want them to continuously come in. Um, they go to my um, nonprofit organization called Kids on the Move for Success, right? And they go to my website, which is kidsonthemoveforsuccess.org, and they donate. Right. Or right. they come back and go to my AntoinetteTuff.com and book me for a speaking career to come back and speaking engagement to come over to their schools or organizations. And what I do back with those funds is I give them back out to the communities. That is so much. I live at a minimum of my life. I go back and take what I have and I give my overflow out to others. I go back and I went back into that school system. Um, where the gunman helped me hostage and launched my own one-on-one mentoring program this school year. That's wonderful. So the, you definitely use those wings. You use them oh, every yeah. day. Oh, yeah. We're, we're impacting kids. So I started out with um, with that nonprofit and giving out scholarships to kids from pre-K, pre-K all the way to graduates. And I was like, okay, I still have moms calling me from Atlanta to my home in Texas needing their babies. They, they, they knew what I did with their children in elementary school. They were now in middle school and high school and having a hard time. And so I found myself taking flights back and forth trying to save my babies. No matter what, even though they were older, they were still my babies. I don't just, we don't just, I don't let kids go. They, when they were my, they, they become in my life, they're going to always be my babies. You're amazing. And so I came back and I was like, okay, I got to come back and do something. I got to come back and get my kids in elementary school and give them somewhere that's a safe environment, a safe place for them to be able to come back, to be able to give back. And so what I do with them, they're now, all of them are now my peer-to-peer mentors. They come back and help me with my mentees that are in third and fourth grade. Awesome. I got parents now that drive an hour, two hours to get to where I'm at. And so what I've done now was to take what others entrusted me with all over the world and continuously entrust me with. And on my day, which is August the 25th and the 27th in the state of Georgia and April the 30th in the state of Texas, I will be then going back this weekend to be able to give a baby another scholarship opportunity on my day. And then I come back on August 25th and the 27th and and bless babies all over the world. So I'm still giving out a hand and I'm giving out an arm, but I'm also being able to allow them to be able to come back and give that. Uh, I do town hall meetings now where we come back and have a safe place, bringing the commissioners, bringing the um, superintendents. We have students and adults and uh, parents and community leaders that come over and we have town hall meetings so that we can have a discussion in a safe place and all of those that are with um, Black Lives Matter and March for Our Lives I, I sit on panels with them so we all come back together and I'm actually building communities so that our kids can be able to know that at the end of the day no matter what it looks like Kids on the Move for Success and Antoinette Tough cares about them from from the babies all the way up to adults you can come back to our town hall meetings or even book me and be able to be able to have a safe place to know that your voice will be heard it's a wonderful experience i am so honored to be speaking to you and 
I, all I can say is you don't give out a hand or an arm. You give out your heart. Your heart has been given out to so many people that it's just amazing. And I'm just completely honored that, that you chose to be on our show and to tell us your story, which is just incredible. And please, again, tell people where they can donate, please. They can go back. They can go donate at my website at kidsonthemoveforsuccess.org. Push the donate button. They can also be a volunteer to come back and help us make a difference in our next generation. And and before we before we have to go, I just have to ask you this: What do we do now? What do we do now when we see this happening over and over and over? What is your suggestion? Give people a suggestion as to what we do now. And what I would say we do now is don't give up. You know, it goes back to what grandma and them used to say. It takes a village to raise a child. We have to go back and take back our communities and build villages again. We have to go back and let our kids know that we support them, that we're behind them. We have to let, go back and let their voices be heard to stop bullying in school. If you go back and look at these school shootings, something happened somewhere. Right. We have got to come back and say no more do we allow this to happen in our schools, in our communities. We are taking a stand. We are coming together with diversity all over the world. So if I'm in your neighborhood, make sure you come by and visit me so we can come back to snatch our babies out the fire. That's what I'll say. Come out to our town hall meetings. Donate. Come back and book me to come back and speak at your um, e events so that we can come back to teach them of those conversations in the crosshairs. What does it look like to have that confidence, that control, and that compassion for one another? It's amazing. You're amazing. You're an amazing woman. I thank God that you never committed suicide, that it never happened. Your children have to be over-the-top proud of you, and you sound like you've raised amazing children. And you continue to raise amazing children by all the things that you're doing. I, I just, yes. if when you're in the city, if you come up to New York, please, please let me know. I'd, I'd be honored to meet you. And in the meantime, I have to send you your one tough mother shirt. You definitely oh, are one yes. tough mother. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to email me your address so I can get you your shirt. But Most I, I, definitely. I am so honored. I'm honored that you were on our show. I'm honored that you told your story. And I hope everyone out there hears and understands she's so right. We have stopped talking to our children we have stopped talking to each other um all this internet and all this connection has has let let us stop being human we need to be human again and speak to each other and Antoinette I, I I'm just like I'm so excited to have you on our show and I'm so honored and thank you so very very much thank you Karen it was a pleasure to be on your show today oh thank you and again email me your address you get your one tough mother shirt damn it most definitely, I will do that. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day and have a great spring. No, you too. You have a great one with that great weather that's coming forward. Thank <laughs> We're you. We're going to speak it. Yes. Have a great one. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. And we're back. And she was amazing, wasn't she? Unbelievable. I mean, can't even imagine what, what it could, you know, to be in that position. I can't either. I mean, 
again, she's a, a, courage, a courageous, courageous woman and very compassionate. And I'm just very grateful and honored that she, she wanted to be on our show. In the meantime, Seth, I think it's time for headlines and headaches. Uh, lots of headaches. Lots um, of headaches. Well, last week it was what, eggs? And now we have lettuce. 200 million eggs. And what yeah. do we have this week? Lettuce. Romaine lettuce. 53 people in 16 states have been infected with E. coli after consuming romaine lettuce from Yuma, Arizona region. Originally, CDC only told shoppers to avoid pre-chopped lettuce, but expanded the warning to all types of romaine. Um, don't you wonder when you see these stories, like, how does this happen? Where does it start? In constantly. The- I constantly think, oh, my God, because you know me, I'm a salad freak, so I'm constantly eating romaine lettuce. Um. Uh, luckily for us, we don't eat a lot of romaine lettuce, more spinach and, and uh, mixed greens. But I know a woman, uh, I, I should say I knew a woman, uh, she died about 14 years ago. She was in the music business. I didn't know her super well, but I did know her and uh, you know, and, and worked with her a little bit. And she died from E. coli poisoning. <gasps> did they um, find out how she got it? She got E. Coli, oh, coli poisoning from a sandwich or something. From a sandwich or something? Wow. Yeah, it's uh, it's a real thing, and uh, it's something if you don't pay attention or you don't catch it, it will kill you. That's a- There's no doubt. Um, yeah, so Americans have been instru- instructed to avoid all types of romaine, where, however you get it. It says romaine, and it's funny. I was just in Trader Joe's today, and they're selling organic romaine lettuce in a bag. I'm just like, are you crazy? Right, right. You know, if I'm a chain like that, I'm pulling all that stuff off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, I'm surprised. Especially, I almost feel like you're liable, right? It's almost being like negligent. If, oh, maybe, maybe the ro- the romaine didn't come from that area, but I would at least put a sign up or something. Our romaine comes from X. I thought you weren't supposed to eat it at all. I thought it was like do just completely do not buy romaine lettuce. Avoid it at all costs. I thought. Well, that's what I'm saying though. If you're a big chain selling it, at least say because it says it's uh, lettuce from the Yuma, Arizona region. At least say. This lettuce was he- uh, here, and we we feel, you know, we're a hundred percent behind this. Otherwise, we would not sell it. You know, something to give people put people at ease if if they want to eat romaine lettuce. Otherwise, it's like you know, I can't imagine buying it. Me either. And you know what? They they started it off by saying this is a pre-cut fruits and vegetables in a bag. That and and again, they, come on, they they are extremely convenient. However, I never I never bought into them. It was like rare that I would buy a, a pre-cut bag of lettuce because I was always like, are you kidding? It's A, more money, less lettuce, and B, you that lazy, you can't cut your own damn lettuce. But, well, that's what we get here, so thanks. Oh, sorry, but <laughs> but no, I'm serious. I never really bought into it. I just never, and, and then there's the, the whole, okay, so you buy it and you say it's pre-cut, pre-washed. Give me a break. My father ran grocery stores when I grew up and let me tell you something, the stuff crawling through things, I don't care how much you tell me it's pre-washed, I'm washing everything, everything. So that's another that's another issue with me. You get fruit in one of those little plastic, you know, containers, you know, strawberries, blueberries, whatever the case may be, and you don't take them out and wash them before you eat them, I, I can't get over that. Wow, so um, it's funny you say that, right? Because, you know, this article says, 
you know, the, the pre-cut stuff increases the odds of, of something being tainted. And there's a 2010 study from Consumer Reports that found unacceptable levels of bacteria that commonly cause food poisoning in about a, a third of 200, 208 salad bags tested. Right. A third. A third. So, yeah. So uh, Business Insider's Rebecca Harrington notes, that doesn't mean these bacteria actually cause an illness. It just means they have the potential to do so. But in general... Leafy greens are one of the more more dangerous foods when it comes to food poisoning risks, and I think I'm going to start stop buying it from the bag now. So wow, you're killing me! I can't go to the movies. I can't buy bag of lettuce. I'm just totally putting a damper on your whole life. And yeah, you- I'm going to lay down and get in the fetal position and do some primal moans. <laughs> I question that. Then I question that salad spray. Did you ever see that stuff? Or you spray on your salad to clean it? Oh yeah, that, that that spray wash thing for fruits and vegetables. Yeah, what it, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna look up a bottle of that and figure out what the ingredient is in there. What do you spray? I think you should buy some and send it to me on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like use Windex, spray your stuff with Windex. Anyway, yeah. So just be careful with what you're eating, and please, again, I, I, I mean, take it from somebody who was around grocery stores growing up. Like, no, seriously, wash your fruits and vegetables. Just wash them. Yes. It's not, it doesn't kill you. Run them under hot water for, I don't know, a couple minutes. Just do it. Something. The other one is, oh, real quick, since we're going into summer, when you get a watermelon or a cantaloupe or any kind of melon, wash the outside of the skin because once you push the knife through it, anything that's on the outside of the skin, you're carrying in through the fruit. You should say that with oranges too, huh? I guess, and lemons and avocados. Yeah, wash them off. Wash it. I'm sorry. I'm crazy. Yeah, you wash yourself. Wash your food. Yep. Wash your food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, let's move on, shall we? Shall we? Yes. Uh, former President George Bush, a week after his wife died uh, from lung disease, she was 92 also. Yeah. Um, and congestive heart failure. Former President George Herbert Walker Bush is 93, was hospitalized in an intensive care after contracting an infection that spread to his blood. A spokesman said Bush appears to be recovering. R.I.P. Mrs. Bush and a quick recovery to the former president. You know, um, you know it happens a lot, right? You see where couples, uh, older couples, when one goes, the other one goes a lot like right after them. Yeah. And they're yeah. old. They were married 72 years. That's it? Yeah. Huh. That's insanely crazy, 72 years. And I looked at pictures of them it's when they were young. They were cute. They were cute youngies. Isn't it interesting how um, – yeah, I don't think – I don't know if it will happen with our current president, but how – you know, past presidents like like Bush Senior or the first Bush was they looked upon more favorably than they were when they were in office. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I guess it's a, it's a thankless job. I mean, when you're you know, but um, he he did a lot of charity work, or he's done a lot of charity work with uh, Bill Clinton and everything. They've done a lot of great work since uh, he's been out of office. So yeah, got give him credit for that. I never right. I never had any um, desire ever to be the talking head president like you know what i mean i always feel like no 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 there it is a thankless job it doesn't matter what you do you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't and so so you're not running i'm not, you're running. not running in 2020 um you okay. know i've been asked a lot honestly people have asked me but no i'm not going to do it <laughs> okay no, no, you heard it here first folks <laughs> okay let's move on um and baby makes three it didn't take too long for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's second son to be introduced to the world. After he was born 1101 on Monday, they emerged from the hospital and baby, uh, with the baby prince just before what was it, uh, 6 o'clock p.m., British Standard Time. 
But for Royal fans, there's a lot of excitement to be had during those seven hours. Uh, Kensington Palace said the name of the baby would be announced in due course. Congratulations. Has, has the name been announced yet? I No. I, you know what? I, don't, I haven't heard it. If it was announced today, I don't know. However, she walked out. Now, I'm always, my claim to fame is, of course, we were military. So, you know, um, I had my kids all natural. And we left the hospital extremely quickly after we had the children. She walked out of there carrying that seven-hour-old baby and looked like she'd slept for two days, had hair and makeup <laughs> done in a beautiful red raspberry dress. I don't think on my best day ever I've looked as good as she did. She um, looked amazing. Yeah, but all those people hanging out there waiting is just very strange to me. Like, uh, I don't know. It's just a, the whole worship thing. It makes, is, I think it's very, very weird. And um, don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> well, you know, let's- I'm sorry. I don't mean to be harsh. I know people are into this, but I just find it very strange. Yeah. But it's, the, it's, you know, it's their, their, their tradition. I mean, it's been a bazillion years that they, they, you know, they're king and queen. I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, God, you, you know, congratulations. Hope you have a happy, healthy family and babies yeah. and all that stuff. Good yeah. luck to you. Wait, there was a weird thing too. I wanted to bring up because my daughter and I were discussing this. There's like a list that they can name from the baby from. And like, oh God. I was like going through the list and I was like, no, no, no. Arthur. Yeah. Henry. Yeah. Like what cool. if you don't want to? What if you right. want to name the, you know, what if you, you desperately hate all those names and you want to name the kids something like, like just Bob. <laughs> Bob. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. It just seems like I, I. Wow, there's a lot of there's a lot going with being royalty, and I don't like that either. Right. So let's let's can we just get out of the whole royalty thing? Can yeah. we move on? <laughs> Great. Well, let's get serious here for a minute. Um. Obviously, we want to extend our sincere, heartfelt uh, condolences to the families who lost loved ones yeah. uh, in Toronto. Uh, for those listening who might not know what's going on, uh, a man mowed down, I think he killed 10 people, injured several more uh, driving um, in Toronto on purpose, a uh, murderer, yeah. uh, and as well as um, the Waffle House shooter as well. And killed four people and the guy before the guy disarmed him and threw the gun away he said i'm not a hero i just wanted to live right right i gotta tell you we were talking about this earlier i actually have my eyes you know i'm in the subway I'm, I'm in the city i have my eyes on everyone all the time i gotta tell you i had some strange guy in the subway he was acting very strange i was looking at his clothes to see if he had a gun um i don't want to be a hero either i just want to sit there and get shot so if I, if I feel threatened, I'm going to make a move. You know what, Seth? I honestly refuse to take the subway because of this. People well, are like, it's are you kidding? It's, like, it's so much you, deeper. And blah, those blah, people blah. in Toronto are just walking around. Yeah. No. I don't know. I just it's, um, I don't want to do it. And I know it's cheaper and I know it's whatever that, you know, I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it. I will walk 50 blocks in the rain. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time with mental illness and terrorism and everything else. There's just seems like it's, it's, uh, getting worse before it gets better, you know, and 
I know you know a lot about the pharmaceutical industry. I think that has a lot to do with it as well, but that's just my opinion. I, I agree with that. Actually, I agree with your opinion on that. And like um, Antoinette said, you know, there's there's so much that goes into it. And it, you have to be prepared to, I don't know, I don't even know why. I, I think you just have to be prepared nowadays to, you know, be be alert and look around like you are like know what's going on around you and pay attention to things and it's it's sickening but it's the way it is and you know in the past we'd be like oh it's okay you know or oh it's okay there's a bag there by itself or oh it's okay the guy's fine you can't think that unfortunately you gotta it's you know that's what they say see something say something although they don't really push that hard but you gotta get on top you have to really pay attention when you're in certain places yeah and you don't even know what the certain places could be such benign places that were never ever a threat. Now they are. And the weird thing is, think back, dude. Think back to when we were young. I mean, we thought of nothing of of tooling around the city. Of course, it was more dangerous back then too, from just like a regular, everyday people standpoint. Yeah, and we thought nothing of it, nothing of it. But um, well. Just everybody be careful. If you see something, please say something. Please say something. And at, at, the, at the risk of being embarrassed if it wasn't true or if it didn't happen or if you were just kind of falsely alarming people, I'd rather be embarrassed and take that chance that I, I, I made a mistake than not say something and have something hor- horrific happen. And one other thing, too, that happened, I think there's there's been some gun problems as far as, like, kids shooting kids and I think a mom shot her daughter by axe by mistake and killed her two-year-old daughter. If you have, if you need a gun, at least be be aware of where it is and its safety should be on. It's those stories are so disgusting. I, I, I Melissa was just talking to me about it. And I, I said, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get in the whole gun debate, but if you're going to have one, at least know what the hell you're doing with it and where it is at all times, and, and make sure you're, it's not in the reach of your children. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, right. this is so much craziness going on. It's it's bad, and, you're, and you know what? If you if you got a gun, it, you got to know how to use the damn thing, and use it Correct. the right way. I mean, you're just going to get a gun and tool around with a gun? Come on, give me a break. I need protection. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> Good luck with that. Little kids. I mean, it's like, to me, it's like you're just you're just begging for something bad to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, I'm off my soapbox. Well, now. is the mail in? Mail is in. Are we ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Uh, dear One Tough Mother, my ex-husband Stuart, who cheated on me three and a half years ago, has come to the sobering conclusion that life is not greener on the other side and has been trying to slide himself back into my children's and my life. For the past three years, he was almost non-existent in our children's lives. We have an eight-year-old daughter and an 11-year-old son. But now that his life hasn't turned out to what he thought it should be, he wants back in. He has a renewed interest in the kids, said he wants to spend time with them, and is trying to get close to them again. He fills my son's head full of dreams of mommy and daddy getting back together and all of us becoming a family again. Tough mother, getting back together will never happen. Cheating on his family and leaving us behind three and a half years ago, barely seeing his children or speaking to them for the past three years, showed me exactly how he felt about us. However, my son is hopeful that we can all be back together again. He says, Daddy has changed, made a big mistake, and wants us all back, he says. We must be fair to him because it wasn't his fault, and he's really sorry. Mother, I am fit to be tied, 
His manipulative plan and behavior is just disgusting. The truth is, my ex found out that she, I guess the other woman, yeah, is an obsessive, sick woman, and her values are non-existent. She refuses to work, drinks on depression meds, and is a mess. These statements are not my observation. These statements came straight from my ex's mouth to my brother, along with his hope that we can all start over. Reuniting the family is not an option. It will never happen. He knows that. I have told him I'm done with him, but he's setting our 11-year-old son up to get to me in hopes my son will change his mind. It is horrible what he's doing. How do I explain to my hopeful 11-year-old son my ex's disgusting behavior and that reuniting will never happen without crushing his heart? I'm sick. I'm sick. I was sick when I read this on the website, and I'm sick now. Because how dare this idiot manipulate these children to his benefit? Um, I agree. I'm not. I'm not going to say. Uh, I'm not going to say I'm take his side or anything. But I always put myself in a role as a child because I went through, you know, parents split up and step parents and all that stuff, and I just know. You know, I still feel it as a uh, how I felt as a kid, and what real in my opinion, what really needs to happen here is um, her and her ex have to get on the same page together. She needs to know that no matter what he does with this this stuff, that's not going to happen. And then they need to to explain to their kids together um, how it's going to be going forward. And what she needs to do is if he's she has to give him a chance with the kids. That's in my opinion. If he's showing an interest and, and wants to be with the kids, then he and he if he was smart and he if there's any chance of getting back together with her, he would stop pushing the pushing that and just focus on the kids and, and be the best dad he can be, and then he can show that if he truly changed, maybe um, maybe her her opinion will change of him. But in the meantime, to protect the children, they need to uh, come together and then and to talk to the kids and say. We're not getting back together, but we both we all both love you, and we're both going to be here for you as much as we can be. I agree, and that was that's what needs to be done. And I just hope that's that this man is capable of that, because from what I'm reading, and and, I, and believe me when I say, I I know her opinion and her and her vision is tainted because of what he's done. So she she may not have the clearest vision, and, and he may be mentioning to the kids, you know, maybe someday, mommy, I don't know. I don't know what he's saying, and we don't have those details. However, what you said is gold. He needs to stop pushing himself in the position of mommy and I are getting back together if that's what he's doing, and focus 100% on innocent children that had nothing to do with what he did or what's happening. They're just they're just being towed along and pulled along in this in this um, behavior. And he needs to stop that. And I also believe that it wouldn't be a bad idea for the mother and the children to get counseling, or at least the children get counseling. Sure. Because no, I agree. When, when Just, you were um, eleven, when you I don't know how old you were when your parents divorced, but when when you were eleven and you had any glimmer of hope of getting back together as a family, you would be concentrating on that at eleven years old. But that would be like one of the things you'd be thinking. That's in my mind. If I was 11 and that happened, I'd be thinking, okay, good, good. We can get back together. Now, for me, but that's what I mean. For me, it was more about, you know, being closer with my dad. And, um, you know, even though he lived like two miles away, I still only saw him like for a couple hours a week, if that. 
and you know looking back now and and uh you know my he let, when they split up my brother was five so my you know i can only imagine losing my son right now or not seeing him every day right and how how much that would hurt him and you know, so my i was too little i didn't remember my brother got crushed though right and he still has a chip on his shoulder to this day so it's i'm thinking more about the relationship between the the kids and the dad more so than getting back together um, it's wrong for him to do that, though. And you're right; it, it plants a seed that it shouldn't plant. But they can still be good parents and and and, and work together to, to to make their kids happy. So right, and that should be the end goal. That should be the game. In fact, the whole game should be making your children happy, feel love and secure. It because uh, what what's going on on the outside of that, they have no understanding of and never will understand it until they're well into their adult years. Right. But if they work together, she has to give him a chance as a dad. She doesn't have to give him a chance as a husband, but she does need to give him a chance as a father, in my opinion. I do too. I believe that too. I do. Yeah. Until he proves for, until he proves otherwise, they give him a shot. Um, And uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, they just got to, you know, get past their own business and, and come to a understanding and focus on the kids. Yeah, I agree. So our opinion are, here is don't work, you know, don't, don't play a game with each other. Focus on your children because you're, you're destroying two other lives and you're, you're planting seeds in two other minds that, that are going to only um, be fertilized and grow by your behavior. And it lasts forever. Yeah. 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 Okay, let's go to email number two. To your one-self mother, how do you feel about the radio wave radiation a cell phone gives off? My daughter, who is 14, is constantly on her phone and it scares me. A woman at work said she read that the radiation can cause brain cancer, but I've not read anything conclusive to prove this. Have you? Karen? Um, no, you know what, Seth? Actually, um, I've never read anything conclusive to prove that or saying that they have proof of that i know there's a million studies about it but i do remember seeing um a news story last year about two young women that had breast cancer in the exact same area and they wore they put their cell phones in their bras in school wow and so that's crazy it was right in the spot of where their cell phone was so again i do I think it's somehow the radiation from a cell phone can be affecting us? Uh, of course. I mean, yes, I do believe it can be affecting. And do, do it's I? It's everywhere though, too. Huh? It's everywhere though. The phones are on all surrounding us, so I can't. You know. Oh my God! Satellites. You're walking through how much stuff every day in your own house? You what, what, at home? Do you have wireless? Uh yeah. Yeah exactly. But um. I'm going to go buy a telegraph tomorrow. I'm going to go back old school. <laughs> Just get a pen and paper. Exactly. Well, th- so we don't know. So, yeah, I haven't read anything conclusive. Have you? And you haven't read anything conclusive, right? No. Don't panic. Like, you know, tell her not to wear it in a bra. That's good advice from you. Um, and, uh, you know, and she, if you're her mom, if you, she can give that phone a rest when she comes home, you know, and do her homework and, you know, maybe after a certain uh, time, there's like no phone time, you know, right. she shouldn't be sleeping with it or anything. You know, talk to your doctor or I don't know, t- you know, you're going to have to spend some time researching this. 
I know, like I said, I've never, I've never read anything conclusive, but I've seen stories, people saying that they got cancer from it. So I don't know. I have no opinion on this because I don't know anything conclusive. Sue Apple. Or not. Okay. Let's go email number three. <laughs> Good luck with <laughs> that. Your self mother. Yeah. Do you think taking laxatives to control weight and feel better is dangerous? I take a mild laxative every other night so I don't feel bloated and can get rid of the waste in my body. Do you think taking them every other night is too much or wrong? I don't take them daily. I know tons of girls who do. I space them out so I have time to absorb the nutrients in the food I eat and then take them to get rid of any waste in my body. That's not a big deal, right? Um, it's a big deal. Yeah. It's a huge deal. You're not letting your body do the work. If you want to um, get rid of the waste in your body, you should be eating foods that are, are naturally cleansing. Like fiber. Yeah. Exactly. You know um, what? I'm going to say this was written by either a high school or a college girl because this is your typical high school college diet. Girls that, you know, you know yeah. and party and then they take laxatives all the time to get rid of what's in their system. Let me tell you, you start doing that, you're going to take more and more and more and more because it become dependent on them. I'm a believer in um, colonics. And I think like once or twice a year to get a colonic is actually good for you. And that's just my opinion. I'm not a doctor. So, um, and I've done it and it's um, Is that a butt flush? Well, it's... It's, it goes that way, but that's not what it. It's not just cleaning your butt; it's cleaning out your intestines and yeah. everything. And not to be gross, but the first time you do it, like you can see the stuff coming out, and you could see stuff that looks old. So it's like I almost compared to like. Oh, um, I am grossed out. Sorry, sorry, but it's true. Like the first time, it's like crazy. Like for, for, basically, they say um. They tell you like they they flush water up and they tell you if it gets uncomfortable, you say tell them when and they'll flush it out. So the first time I did it, I could barely like I kept saying flush it out, flush it out because it was just like it's, it was not feeling comfortable. And after that first time, I went the next time, everything was gone. All this old gunk was out of my body. Oh my and, god! Um, it's like a spray wash. That's what it's like a spray wash for your insides. The stuff that's sticking to the walls. Oh. Yeah, um, it's funny. When I was living in Los Angeles. Um, I went to a regular doctor, and I was telling her, I was like, I'm going to get a colonic. No, you shouldn't do that. It's unhealthy, blah, blah, blah. And my doctor was very overweight. She was very large. And then I go see this uh, woman who's doing the colonic for me. She's this you know, beautiful, in-shape woman explaining to me the whole thing. I was like, hmm, who should I listen to? Yeah. Um, and nothing against overweight people. I'm just saying like, it's about being healthy. And, it, you know, I know this, is, this conversation is kind of going a different direction, but yeah, doing something daily, like not letting the food do the work is, is not healthy. But if, you, if you're really concerned about it, look into your diet, go see a nutritionist. Like really, you know, and like you said, this might be a young girl. She doesn't want to do that. But you also have, you know, the internet at your fingertips too. So do some research and the shortcuts never work. You're always going to end up uh, being sorry you did that later in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's such simple, simple suggestions like eat a lot of fiber, you know, look that up and figure out what fiber is, fruits and vegetables, you know, eat a lot of fiber. And here's a real, just a super good one. Eat or drink warm or hot lemon water. 
If you drink warm or hot lemon water, that is, it's like adding comet to your, to your body. It really helps yeah. cleanse your, your kidneys and it does a lot for you. So every night, if you want to just make a, instead of putting tea, just take hot lemon water and sip on it and drink a cup or two of hot lemon water. I mean, it's really good yeah. for your system. Okay. And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you the things I have done and I've known millions of people have done them and people, medical people have told me to do this. You know, like drink hot, a nice hot glass of lemon water. So, you know, try these things. Don't get addicted to, for God's sakes. I mean, come on. You're just trying to cut corners. You're just trying to do it fast. You just don't, you want to eat and be able to get rid of it. Stop. Don't, don't get addicted to laxatives. It's a bad idea, period. And exercise, lots of exercise. Absolutely. You know, your body has to move, and if you don't move, nothing moves. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Okay, so that's it. That's it for emails. It, it, you know, and again, it, it, we had a wonderful guest. We had Antoinette Tuff, a brave, courageous woman, um, dealing with this active shooter that was just an amazing story. And so with that, I've got Mother Says. And this week, Mother Says is, let your smile change the world, but don't let the world change your smile. And and it's really true. I mean, there's a lot going on in the world and still be kind, be kind to people and, you know, smile and, and try to be compassionate like Antoinette was. And, you know, don't let the world change your smile. And with that, we say thank you. Have a great week. Have a great week, Seth. You too. And I will see you and I'll talk to everybody soon. And don't forget, tell your friends about us. One Tough Mother, M-U-T-H-E-R. Have a great week, everybody. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.